You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Thesis on Joan. I'm Megan. She, her. And I'm Holly. They, them. Thesis on Joan is a podcast dedicated to amplifying voices from the LGBTQ plus community in the New York performing arts scene and examining the industry from a queer perspective. Today, Megan and I are sitting down with Andrea Prestonario. So Andrea Prestonario is a performer, producer, and the executive director, co-founder of Ring of Keys, an advocacy organization that promotes the hiring of queer women and transgender and gender nonconforming artists working in musical theater. Regional credits include Allison and Funhome twice at Baltimore Center Stage and Weston Playhouse, Sarah Brown and Guys and Dolls, Eliza and My Fair Lady twice, Maureen and Rent at Paramount Theater, Martha and 1776 at Oslo Rep, Louise and Gypsy at Drury Lane, Oak Brook, and Gertie in Oklahoma at Lyric Opera Chicago. Additionally, Andrea has performed at New York Theater Workshop, York Theater, Gulf Shore Playhouse, Writers Theater, Marriott Theater, and Timeline Theater, and many more. She received a Jeff Award for her work as Violet in Sideshow at the Boho Theater. She is a graduate of Ball State University and the school at Steppenwolf. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Hey, that's that's my cue, huh? (laughs) Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, we're so excited to talk to you more. Thanks. Wow. It's really, I get really sweaty when someone reads my bio. (laughs) But I did like the twice that you added. I, I think that's like my, my life goal. Just make everything a twice. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> I, was, I mean, I'm so impressed. I was like, these are insane. We'll talk more about it, but these insane iconic roles, who gets to be Eliza twice? Andrea, do you mind introducing yourself with uh, your name one more time, your pronouns and whatever you want to share about how you identify? Yeah. I, Andrea Prestonario, she, her, and I am a cis woman, happy to be here. I usually use the term, um, I use the term queer, <laughs> queer ingenue. Um, <laughs> and just people seem to like that. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you should trademark that now. Can you talk about uh, the inspiration to create Ring of Keys and especially behind the quote, you have to see it to be it from Janine Tesori? I can. Yeah. So um, Ring of Keys launched two and a half years ago. I uh, co-founded it with my friend Royer Bacchus. And I think I'd love to chat too about the just the origin story of how we met because that is so much of um, Ring of Keys, which... We, um, we had met doing a reading, um, prior to doing this reading, we both knew the music director and he's this really fun, cis, gay, Arkansan man. And he was just like, Andrea, there's someone I want you to meet. She's a lesbian. (laughs) And he whispered it. And, And I was like, 
okay, Michael, like, you know, it was just like really awkward. And, um, and I had, I, he knew my girlfriend, so it wasn't like he was trying to set me up. And then like, I go do the reading, like meet Royer and, uh, Royer, like we become friends and she's like, oh my God, Michael, it was so funny. Michael did this thing to me prior to the reading where he's like, Andrea or Royer, I'm so excited for you to meet someone in the, she, she's a lesbian. It was like, <laughs> ha ha ha. And we like laughed about it. I mean, it's like, this is pretty funny if you know this music director, cause he's hilarious. But at the same time, we had this more in deeper conversation surrounding the implications of that, right? Like, why is it that as lesbian women working in musical theater, we're still on the margins? Why is it that we say musical theater is so gay? Well, the fact is it's so gay, but it's not queer. So we were like, okay, where, where are our people? Like we, it was a big deal for Royer to meet me. She had, didn't have any other lesbian actress friends and she really didn't have a queer community. I didn't really have a queer community. I worked in Chicago for eight years before I met another lesbian actress. Like, wow. Oh my gosh. Out, you know, let alone like the, the rest of the, the spectrum of queerness, which is insane. And like the, the one person I met became my girlfriend. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to hear more about that. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Um, it was, it's a good meet cute. Uh, but so we decided that we wanted to form a community and we wanted, you know, we could have made this community of, of lesbian women or bisexual women, but it was important to us to actually, we really wanted to see our industry queered more, right? Like beyond cis gay male and beyond just like talking about sexuality. Like we wanted to incorporate, we wanted to encompass the rest of the queer spectrum. And so we wanted to create that space and that community for queer women, transgender and gender nonconforming artists. And, um, we, uh, launched in January of 2018 and there was three of us. And, um, now there's 400 members oh and, we can get into that too later, but, uh, there's members in 40 cities throughout the U S as well as members in London and in Canada. That's incredible. Which is insane in, in two and a half years to think about. But one of the things that was so transformative to, to Royer and I was our, both of both, both we had, you, you, um, we had both had experiences seeing fun home individually, but they were both transformative for us. And I think it's, it's maybe obvious to both of you why we would have such a transformative experience, but for someone that's straight, you know, cis at the cis at cis het community might not understand what it was like to see yourself on stage and mirrored for the first time ever. Um, Fun Home being a musical that made musical theater history by being the first time having a butch lesbian protagonist on our stages, which is, you know, it, it, there's, there's a lot of work to do when it comes to queerness on stages, but that was a wonderful milestone. It was a white story and it was, a, a, you know, not a rural story. I mean, there's a lot of other like stories that we need to still be telling, but this, I think of this moment as like kind of, um, the new musical theater, right? Then this is like this, this musical ushers in 
the future of a new musical theater, um, in my opinion. So, um, because that musical is so transformative to us, we decided we, we were trying to think of like what we wanted to name our organization. And, um, we thought about like that song in, in fun home called ring of keys and it was poetic, right? It was, it was, um, we could have, you know, I, I have said this before, but we could have like named our organization, like the national queer <laughs> women and, and TG and C Alliance, right? Like we could have done that, like, but we were sort of looking for something a little more poetic. And so we went with ring of keys because I mean, keys is about access. Keys is about opening doors and that is what we were striving to do. So that is the origin and name origin story <laughs> of how we came to be ring of keys. Awesome. And I feel like this is becoming a reoccurring question on our podcast. It's not one we sent through initially, but um, can you tell us a little bit more about your first time seeing Fun Home, especially like retroactively knowing that you're someone who's going to take on that role one day? Like how... How do you feel knowing that now, thinking back to the first time you saw Fun Home? Oh, there's so much to say, right? I mean, this is a podcast that takes its name from that musical. So obviously we all have, a, you know, a deep spot in our heart for it. I actually am a bad lesbian because I didn't know Alison Bechtel until the musical, <laughs> which is insane. Like, how did I, how did she not come on my radar? I don't know, but... So I learned the musical first and then went and read the graphic novel. And seeing the musical, I mean, I don't know how to fully describe to a straight person what it's like to constantly like mentally, what's the word, like code switch. You're, you're watching, you're, you're, when you're watching it, something on stage and you have to switch like genders of the story, like you have to do that extra labor in your head because it's sort of like how, you're helping yourself make sense of it, right? I, I don't mean for it to sound so self-centered, but that is what we do when we go to the theater, right? Like we we take in that story and we compare it to our own experiences and that's sort of how we connect and relate. And, and like, I do think in metaphors and and I think being a queer person, that is a lot of, the work that you're doing, right? You're like, Oh, love is love. Like you understand like love, but like what it's like to literally actually not have to do that, like switching and see yourself on stage, like see your story on stage. It's just so revolutionary. And I mean, the other funny thing is like, I mean, I came out in 2002 and I mean, I literally did go to our school library to figure out homosexuality <laughs> because it was 2002 and, you know, there was no YouTube. There was no social media. I, I didn't understand how to like live in the world as like a person who was so passionate about musical theater. And like, I didn't under, I didn't know any other lesbians besides, um, Ellen DeGeneres. And so it was like, what, you know, like, what is this? Like, what are these feelings? I mean, so when Allison like goes to like, try to you know she figures out that she's gay by like going to the bookstore or oh, wait is that's just in the novel no it's in the musical too no mm -hmm. yeah okay okay all of a sudden I was like wait did I <laughs> no that's there yeah so when I saw that experience I I was like oh my god you know and like Adrian Rich there's like a reference to her in the musical it just is like oh my god my worlds get to come together <laughs> finally it's like so exciting and um 
Yeah. So I, I mean, I just cried my eyes out. Right. I mean, I was shaking. I saw it with a friend whose um, dad left. They got divorced because he realized he was gay. So she has a gay father. And so some of, so some of, some of the musicals themes resonated for her on a different level, but similarly, you know, I mean, that musical is just so, can I swear? Yes. Yes. It's just so (laughs) fucking good. It's just so brilliant and it it is it has so much universality. Yeah, at the end of the day it's just a great musical too. Yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, exactly. And like a lot of people can can walk away like connecting. I it's I I found it interesting like how many people connect on like other levels, right? Like the father daughter um and then they're like also getting this queer story on top of it. So so it's a long answer to your question, which is like, oh my God, transformative. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I, I can't imagine what it's like to actually take on that role. It's got to be insane every night to just have that, like be in that headspace every night. Well, right. Well then, yeah. And so like, that was all my experience, like seeing it and then getting to do it, right? That, that is, whew, that is another level of like, oh my God. God, world's getting to come together. I cut my hair for the role um, the first time I did it. And it was really cool because I actually, you know, I, I didn't, I couldn't get arrested. I was, I was in terms of work. I, I had a two and a half year not working streak. Like I couldn't get cast and ring of uh, fun home broke that. I launched Ring of Keys in January of 2018. And a month later, I got a call asking me to play Allison in, um, in, in Fun Home. And so like, it's just like, to me, that to me, I get chills still because it's like, that's about, that's what that is about leaning into your truth. Like here, I'm saying like, I'm going to lean into this, this organization and like celebrate this queerness. I'm not going to hide this anymore. Um, and not that I was working that hard to hide it, but you know what I'm saying? Like I'm actually leaning into my authentic self and, and the, and then the universe replies by saying, okay, well, we're going to break this, like not working streak. So then, you know, so that was just like, I mean, it was, it was, it was transformative again to get to do the show and share that story with my family and just, oh, like the things my dad said to me, like after that opening night of that first production of, of like, I, you know, I had no idea, like, this is what it's like for for you being gay oh, wow. like oh yeah it was really moving wow and then how long after you did it the first time did you do it again i did it at weston playhouse in june of july of 2018 and then i did it again um i started rehearsals i think six months later for the baltimore one wow um baltimore center stage and those were, were were radically different productions, and that was really cool to have such different perspectives on the piece. Um, Baltimore Center Stage, the production was was on their their main stage, and they like they had all the bells and whistles, right? They the, the furniture tracked on. They had traps, um, and and at Weston Playhouse, it was in their their brand new like black box space, so it was very intimate. I think it only hold. I think it was only holding like 150 seats. So, Oh wow. Um, very different productions, uh, in that sense, but it was fun to get to a, a second chance at it because it got to just sort of deepen it. And, 
like like my opportunity to get to play um Eliza twice. It's it's always fun to do it the second time because you're like you're basically spending a lot of time on learning learning things and then figuring out like you're just your experience with it with the role is like very different than your experience when you're learning something for the first time. So like the second time you're just spending a lot of time trying to be malleable to, to like what it is. Like you, mm-hmm. you don't want to get, I didn't want to be fixed on what I believed this, this character is or was. And, um, and just being malleable to what the director and I could, could build together. So, mm-hmm. and that was, that second production was directed by Hannah Sharif, um, who's now gone on to become artistic director at St. Louis rep. Oh, cool. That's awesome. The rep. I think we call it the rep. Ah, in this, in this country. <laughs> and those of us in the know. <laughs> and the, uh, the first production was, was, was written by, uh, was directed by Malcolm Ewan, who, rest in peace, passed away last year. Very sad. And, you know, he, oh um, gosh. was the founding artistic director of Weston Playhouse, one of the three guys. And I just love him so much for giving me that opportunity. Hmm. That must have been one of his last shows then. It was his last show. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. so many feelings, not just the expected <laughs> ones. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, okay. Well, we're going to move. We're still always in the fun home world, but we're going to talk a little bit more about ring keys. Sorry. I got very <laughs> diverted there. I got very excited. Um, so you refer to the members of the organization as keys. Um, you shared a little bit about how, you know, a key is accessibility. A key is opening doors. Um, what does it mean to be a key in the ring of keys uh, group? I think being a key is, cele- is, is a celebration. I think that it's, um, it's saying that I, I celebrate who I am and it's not something that I'm, I'm going to silo. Um, I think it's, it's saying like, I'm an asset that I, that I'm bringing to the table. Um, and you know, one has to, uh, want to be publicly out in order to join ring of keys, right? That's not something that we, so we worked a lot of time on, we were devising the, the, you know, the, um, the setup of ring of keys, like what that, what that would mean. And, and one has to opt in, right? So they, they, they tell us how they self-identify. It's, 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 deter- it's a self-determination, right? As we know, when it comes to queerness. So our vetting process has nothing to do with gender identity or sexuality. If someone says, this is who I am, then that's who they are. Right. But I, I think what's, what's really developed is, is sort of what I aspired to see happen. Um, which is that being a key is like, you're part of a community that's, that's international. And, um, and it, it, it's, it's an, it's a, it's a community that didn't already exist. So that's to me really thrilling. And I think I literally have hundreds of new friends because of ring of keys or colleagues, I should say, right? Like I have, I, I, and I'm trying not to use the word literally so much, but <laughs> I literally do have hundreds <laughs> of new colleagues because of Ring of Geese. And I, I, again, I worked in it for eight years in Chicago without knowing another queer performer. So I, I knew many cis gay men performers, but um, and we love our, we love our cis gay brothers, right? We love them. We love them, but we, we wanted to create our own, 
old boys network, right? Like we know that that exists. We know that our industry is, it's, it's pervasive. The, 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 the white cis gay male, um, occupation. Mm -hmm. And that's, 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 I'm so glad that, that our, those people, those friends of mine, those colleagues of mine have, are with us and in this industry together. And I'm so happy that they have a space that makes them feel welcome and good. And I also think that there's, there's like, it's time to also like make room, you know, and, 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 and diversify that leadership and diversify queerness. So, yeah, absolutely. How have you seen, you know, the old boys club kind of work with your members and make an impact for them? I mean, I think there's so many, um, so many cis gay male allies of ring of keys. That's a lot of our allies actually. Um, and I come, when I would call an ally is someone who's advocating for, for ring of keys, um, amplifying ring of keys, and then therein amplifying our members, um, donating funds. Um, and the response has been really positive. If it, if there is any criticism or negativity, I'm not hearing it. Um, I hope I'm not opening the door to that right now. <laughs> we also wanted to talk to you more. Um, if you could share a little bit about how Ring of Keys is working to create an anti-racist, inclusive, Black, Indigenous, people of color space as well. Yeah, I'm so glad we're talking about that. I mean, I think this work is 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 ongoing, ever present, and has been prior to the to the murder of George Floyd and this movement that's currently happening. But I think it's it's something that I feel Ring of Keys has been has been doing the work for and continues to need to do more work for. Um, we, I, you know, we just we just put out a statement as many organizations have done in this moment. But I, you know, I noted in that in that statement that we started as two white cis lesbian women, you know, and we recognized that right at the top. We were like we want this leadership to be diversified. We don't want it to just be the two of us. And what does that look like? You know, and it, throughout all of this two and a half years, I mean, ring of keys is a volunteer organization and all of the labor is volunteer. So there is a, there is a, there's a privilege in volunteerism and recognizing that while also recognizing the optics of like, okay, well, what, what are you doing about like your, your two white people? Like, what are you doing about that? And so organically what happened at the beginning is we started to have people be like, I want to help. And I was like, great, we need hands. We need hands on deck. Like who, who's going to help? Who's going to help? And I was like, I looked around and pretty soon we had like a team of people that were volunteering for ring of keys. And I was calling, I wanted to validate their work and recognize it. But I looked around and I was like, it's all white people. Like, that's not okay. Like, you know, and, and so what does that mean? Like, okay, people of color haven't, haven't joined us at the table. Is it, is it because they don't feel welcome? Like at a certain point it became a part where somebody felt like I, this is not a, a place where I want to volunteer my time or, or, or whatever. I, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't want to make assumptions here of like what the reasoning was, but, um, so I invited, a key member to join us at that volunteer team, gave her our, our, 
gave her the responsibility as our outreach coordinator and recognized that that was labor that she was doing that, you know, she had to be comfortable doing that labor. Um, and she was going to be advocating for this to make sure the space was a safe space for our black and brown members. Um, and I, you know, we continue to like talk, like we, we had a, her and I talked last week and she's, she's really hurting and she's really dealing with the grief of this moment and doesn't have the capacity right now to be like helping other, helping our other members in this moment. But we did talk about like, you know, there's more strategies that we can be doing to make sure that we are making those members feel safe and, um, inclusive, that it's an inclusive space. And then, you know, I think, um, we were talking to about, is there some sort of like anti-racist workshop, you know, that we can offer all of our members. Um, these are things that like corporations offer and it's a little like kind of, you know, kind of a joke I'm hearing from like certain corporations where they're like, it's not, it's like led by a white person. Like, I, you know, it's just like, okay, if, if we're going to offer something, like, I don't want it to be like a joke. I don't want it to be something that's not legitimate. And, um, so there's, so there's that. And then we're, we're working on, um, currently centering our, just in this moment right now, making sure that we're centering our black and brown members. And then we are doing our upcoming pride concert is, um, going to center our black identifying key members. So that is going to be on Saturday, June 27th, the Saturday oh, of the pride weekend. Um, and that will be on our Facebook live and YouTube live channels. And I'm really happy to, to, that we can, you know, create this space for members if they need it. I recognize that this may be inconsistent with some of our members values or needs or priorities right now. But I hope for those that need it, that it can be a space for healing. Yeah, definitely. I think that's so needed right now. Uh, in a similar vein, you know, as an ally to the trans and non-binary and gender non-conforming community, what do you think is important leading an organization for that community that includes that community uh, to make sure that they also have a safe space and their needs met too? Yeah, it goes back to the idea of when we were first starting and making sure that our our leadership was diversified. Um, one of the things that uh, has been helpful is is having that diversified leadership on f from our trans members. I I am really happy to have the trans leadership on our volunteer team that that helps bring an awareness that I don't have and it helps with our decision-making that I don't always have. And that is just an example of how important it is to have different voices and bodies making decisions. Um, you know, things like from the very beginning, we were making sure that we normalized pronouns right now in our theater industry. It's, it's been pretty normalized, I would say. Um, but at the very beginning, two and a half years ago, it wasn't as much, I would say, 2018. And that was something that was really important to us as an organization. Like, you know, that is something that has to be in, you know, in every single social media post that we make, like making sure pronouns are there. And like now that's not really 
like we've gone beyond that, but I'm just saying like at the very beginning, like that was something as an example that we felt, okay, we need to make sure this is a space that, that our TGNC members feel that, that they feel that this is a safe space. Um, and I mean, I, I think that based on the feedback that I've received from our members, that they do feel that there is that inclusion. And I think that there is always a sense that we want to, while it is not the oppression Olympics, we want to make sure that we are centering our most marginalized members. Can you share a little more about the work of the gender and queer consultants and how they work with the production and how that initiative started? Yeah. So, um, our consultancy directory was born out of the idea that I noticed that our, a number of our, um, members were doing this work independently. Um, and I also noticed that there's a, like a, there's a gap in education. So there's a lot of members within our theater community at large that don't understand, um, the need for a gender consultant, right? And so what, it, what does a gender consultant do? Well, there, it's a consultant that provides our community the, the necessary resources for their theater projects, that anything that has to do with queer or trans themes. And I recognize that we could create this hub where folks could find folks that are already doing the work out there, but this could be a centralized hub of, so, so it sort of just facilitates, again, it's sort of this bridge, um, advocating for our members by giving, by, by, by giving them the work to do the consultancy work and providing the resources for the theater that saying, oh, I'm doing this, this queer show, like, I, I need help. I need a consultant. I, I think it's, I think of gender consultants just like an intimacy consultant director. Um, mm-hmm. it's, 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 I think slow to catch fire, but I, I do think it's absolutely crucial and vital. And my friend, um, Josie Kearns, Josephine Kearns, who has been a colleague of mine for about 10 years. She's a key. And we actually, we were out of touch because she lives in Chicago and I'm here in New York. And we actually got reacquainted because of Ring of Keys. And I recognized that she was doing this work full time. And she's about the only person in the country I know. And she, the only person that she knows in the country doing it full time. <laughs> um, sadly, not at this moment because, well, none of us are working. But right. um, but I, I, I met with her and we sort of built this this directory of consultants together. Um, but that's only an offshoot from the larger member directory, which we haven't had a chance to talk to about yet. So I'd love to like tell you a little bit more about that. Yes, please. Which goes back to, um, when we were first building ring of keys, right? There was, it was twofold. We wanted to build this community, but we also wanted to serve as a resource for the theater industry at large. And, one of the things that happened to Royer and I when we were starting Ring of Keys, and it was it, it very much catalyzed the member directory. Um, OSF Oregon Shakespeare Festival was casting a queer production of Oklahoma, and they were actively seeking queer artists for queer roles. And the process in which they had to go about trying to find queer people for those roles, while as we all know, the illegality of asking someone's gender identity or sexual orientation in a job interview is a thing. So 
like my agent calling me and being like, can we tell them that you're gay? Like, you know, it was just like this really like, like it was just like this sticky, like uncomfortable, like, yeah, it's like, yeah. Like, it's like, to me, it's like, can we tell them that you play piano? You know, it's like, yeah, it's like, Mm -hmm. that's like, that's who I am. That's like, like that's, that's my wholeness. And like, that's not something that we need to like silo and put in a corner anymore. I did that for so long. I thought I had to like, I, I was the, you know, I was the ingenue on stage and the lesbian off stage. And like, I thought that those two worlds couldn't like come together. And so we wanted to create a resource and bridge the gap, right? Bridge queerness and hiring. And, um, so that's what the, that's what our directory does. Like our directory is an opportunity for you to, if you're actively seeking queer people for roles, which I would hope people believe in representation and would understand the importance of authentic representation, authentic casting, or just like wanting to like broaden your, your portfolio of like, Hey, like maybe I only know, like, maybe I only have like these gay, you know, white gay male choreographer friends. Like I want to like do the work to like reach beyond that for my next project. And I'm going to try to hire like a trans choreographer or something like that. Right. Like these, all of these opportunities are there. And so often the excuse, as we know, is that like, Oh, Oh, I just didn't know how to find them. Right. Like that's why Kilroy's list was created. Um, and Mm -hmm. so Kilroy's was another great model of like what we wanted to, how we wanted to serve the, the industry. And so this directory is all of our members. It's totally public and visible and serving, serving all of us. That's awesome. Is it primarily performers and creative team members or does it open to other roles as well? So a key member is someone who works professionally in musical theater on stage and off stage. Oh, okay, so it's great. Uh, many, many, many disciplines. We have actors, lighting designers, dramaturgs. Uh, stage managers, directors, producers, casting directors. It's a, it's a large, large, um, group of people. Awesome. Yeah. It's such an amazing resource. Thank you. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I had one more question. Also, that um, the directory as well, and I know this goes back to an earlier point, but just like looking through it, it was very much like that light bulb moment you were talking about when you saw Fun Home. I'm like, oh my gosh, there are so many other queers working in you know the theater that I didn't know existed. So it was right. just from like that perspective, it was like, oh, this is like overwhelmingly wonderful. 
it's so overwhelming. And like, also that we're not a monolith, right. That like, we are all like, we're, we look, we can look very like many different ways and that there's like, there's not one way to be queer. There's not one way to be trans. Um, and that to me is also what's like, I love about the visibility component. And just like one other thing is that was always has been really important to, um, to, uh, the, the, the creation of ring of keys, which is that, you know, I didn't have that as like a, 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 a 17, 18 year old trying to figure out who I was and to think that there could be these young baby queers trying to figure <laughs> out who they are and they could go on this resource and be like, Oh my God, like I can do musical theater and be queer. Oh my God. Yes, That's available. Can. You can, right? So that just like warms my heart thinking about like this 16 year old just emailed Ring of Keys the other day and was like, I'm 16 year old. I'm like, um, where were they emailing from? Like Montana or something. They're like, I'm the 16 year old Montana. And like, can I join? I, I'm only, I'm like, oh, love oh, that baby. Yeah. Like, no, but stay in touch. <laughs> Soon. Yeah. <laughs> So Andrea, is there anything you else you want to share about Ring of Keys that you want our listeners to know before we move on? I just want to spread the word about it. I want more people to kind of, I want to see more partnerships with organizations and theaters utilizing Ring of Keys. And I want us to have funding. So that's the big thing so that we don't burn out and I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> You know, it's yeah. hard to, to do something for free, but it's a, it's a, it's a, a labor of love, right? I really believe in, in the work. So, mm -hmm. well, we, let's jump to the queer gives yeah. section. We do every episode yeah, too. Great so, yeah, we definitely want to shout out ring of keys. So how do folks learn more about you, donate to you, volunteer? Yeah. So you can go to ringofkeys.org. And ringofkeys.org backslash donate will take you to, um, our donate webpage. We are currently fiscally sponsored, um, working on our 51c3 paperwork and that should happen very, very soon. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I, I love, I'm actually, actually looking for more help right now on grant writing. So if there's any folks out there that like want to donate their, their labor in that capacity. I'll just put that out there. We're also actually also really in need of um, some web help. So if there's people that know coding, um, our new website launched in February when um, it was a long time coming and our, but our web guy that built it is not available to continue the, the work. The website's beautiful. Thank you. I, yeah. There's little glitches that keep happening and the the web person that built it is like, ah, oh, like getting frustrated because they don't have the, the time to devote to it. And it's like, we weren't expecting those glitches. And I don't know. It's just like startup growing pains, really. Yeah. That's what I feel. Mm -hmm. Never easy. Like, yeah. And the design is just beautiful too. It's yeah. Like Meg Elliott. So Frank Noir and Meg Elliott. Meg Elliott was our web designer and Frank was our web develop was our developer. So they both are amazing humans and uh, yeah, I'm so, I'm so thrilled to have their support. That's awesome. Right? I mean, to have their labor. I'm sure their support too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you got both. <laughs> 
We're going to go back and ask a couple questions about your career. Um, so as you said earlier, you describe yourself as queer ingenue, which I think is just fantastic. Queer ingenue needs to be like a new category of performer, I think. Um, but you originated it. So you performed a lot of kind of bucket list roles for actresses. What was it like to <laughs> play all of these iconic roles as a queer performer, how, what kind of did you bring to the role that may have been slightly different? Well, I never really thought of it that way. You know, I, I guess I just brought my fullness to the role. I brought my whole self to the role and that is a part of who I am. And I, I think I think of my queerness as a part of my identity as sort of like, I think of it more actually in auditioning. Um, I used to think of it as a superpower as like, ha ha, like you don't know <laughs> this about me. It used to feel like this thing that a way of, of, of empowering myself in the room to walk in a room and be this like ingenue with like long curly hair and like the wrap dress and be like, Oh yeah. Like I can, I can like, like, like almost like this manipulation to make me feel confident, but it's like, yeah, I can look like this, but you don't know my secrets. Like you don't know what I'm actually doing, <laughs> which, you know, in the end I come to find out is not actually serving me right after a while you learn, Oh, actually it's not serving me to think that I'm playing their game by dressing in this wrap dress and thinking that that's what they want to see. No, they actually want to see me be myself, bring my full self to the room. And so, um, I guess, yeah. So I guess that's how I would, I would say that, how did I, you know, how did I have a queer perspective? I mean, I just, you, you know, you, you, you're using yourself as this vessel and this is my experience. And I mean, I guess the adversity that I've experienced as a queer person is, is, is some of that fire in my belly, right. Is like, I, I bring to those roles, but yeah, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Was, is there one of those shows that you've been in that you would, you either think is queer or you would like to see a queer version mm -hmm. of? Well, I really want a queer music man. Okay. Now I do too. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like, I, I, I haven't written like my thesis on it. Speaking of this <laughs> thesis on Joan, I haven't written like a music man thesis. So this might not entirely track, right? But I, I'm imagining like, what if we have like a trans Harold Hill? Okay. Like a non-binary Harold Hill, but they like have to disguise because it's 1912, right? So it's like, like an Albert Cashier situation, right? Where they're like, you know how they'd go to, you know, disguise as a man in order to fight mm -hmm. in the civil war. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think I have that right. Is that right? I think. Off, off I, yeah. I don't know the name exactly. Sounds familiar. So yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like in disguise because they can't live their authentic self because it's 1912. And what if Marion is this queer woman but she like doesn't know it and then it's like you know that's why she's singing goodnight my someone and like they they say that she's they say that she's this like old maid but maybe it's because like she hasn't 
because there's like no queer people Ooh, I just in got chilled. town. Yeah. I feel like that's the subtext <laughs> of Old Maid anyway. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Exactly. And then, right. Okay. So the other idea too is like marrying the librarian, like when Harold Hill is like creepy in the normal version, mm-hmm. super predatory, chasing after her in the library. And she's like, what the fuck? I'm at, I'm at my job. Like, leave me the fuck alone. Like, why are you chasing after me? This like rape culture. Instead, mm-hmm. it's like, actually, they're like, you know, they have to be actually, um, what's the word? Um, they're, they're in hiding. Like they, they have to be, they can't let people know that they have this attraction to one another. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Okay. And then at the end, we don't think of Harold Hill as this con man because instead we recognize that like, actually it's this trans person and they had to do what they had to do for fucking survival. It's like you solved the problematic parts of it and made it wow. queer. <laughs> it's like two for one. That's awesome. I don't know if all, like I haven't actually sat down and like looked at it like scene by scene, but like I think about it often and I'll be like, yeah, someone is probably going to do it. I hope I get credit. I hope I get to be like, I say, I think you need to pitch it. Oh yeah. Yeah. You need to produce it and star in it. Well, you are actually like, these are the kinds of things that we're trying to do with ring of keys. Like we need, we need the, um, we need to get, we need to get past some of these pandemics so that we can get back to the focus of our queering the stage series. But, um, and I hope that doesn't sound like I'm trying to get like, I, we have to do the racial, you know, racial justice work. I'm not trying to say that not to do that work too, but COVID has taken a lot out of, yeah, we need to get past COVID. (laughs) Agreed. Um, (laughs) but so our queering the stage series is like, we've, we've done that in concert twice. Um, and, but I imagine a world in which we're, we're having a, a producing arm within Ring of Keys and we're, we're, um, queering musical productions like that. Oh, that man. sounds like a dream. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. I was like, how can I help? <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, it, licensing issues too. We have to figure that out, but we're, we're looking into that. And then I, I think, I think, um, I think that really helps our industry understand what does it mean to be inclusive? I think if we have to really provide that platform for folks to think expansively about hiring and, um, and that's only the onstage part, right? Like it's a little more concrete to understand what it means to like hire expansively for like stage manager or dramaturg, I think. Mm-hmm. But I think when it comes to like thinking about hiring for different bodies for a certain role and subverting the norm, like that's to me like where I think our Queering the Stage series could be actually very useful for folks to understand the meaning of that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's so important to see it, to believe it, right? Yes. There was anything else, uh, Andrea, you want to tell us about the Queering the Canon concert? I know we just kind of mentioned it there, but um, yeah. if there's any more kind of about the concept of that show and um, I guess if there's a way for listeners to check out the videos or if there's plans for another one in the future. Yeah. Um, Queering the Canon was our, was our benefit concert this past February. And that was an idea I had to sort of like continue to riff off of the Queering the Stage idea. And, um, my, I, I hired a co-producer and she and I, I'm sorry, they and I 
developed um, the idea to have a commission our key songwriters to write songs in response to golden age era songs. So we gave them a list of very like gendered songs from the golden age canon. And then they selected which ones they were wanting to um, queer or subvert or, you know, write against or be inspired by, right. Any of that. So, mm-hmm. um, and then, and then, um, the, and then the, the song, the original song was queered in the casting of it. So for example, um, the song Maria from West Side Story, originally it's usually sung by Tony in the, in the musical. Um, that was, that was sung by a queer woman, a black queer woman in our concert. And then the counterpart was the key songwriter song, uh, which was called Emma. And it was this like queer love story between two women. And it had like kind of the same yearning as Maria. So it was like, you could see mm-hmm. how she was inspired by it. That was, and then that was sung by a, a queer woman. Um, so we had Maria and its counterpart, Emma, sung both by key members the new the new canon song written by a key songwriter in response to the old canon wow. does that make sense that's really yeah. cool Sometimes, like yeah. i can't say it very succinctly <laughs> but when i wrote the press release i could it's just saying it it's like <laughs> I, I really have to like break it down for people to understand and we did that so we we had about seven song a call and response songs so um like um i enjoy being a girl um <laughs> What else did we do? Uh, did you do There's Nothing Like a Dame? <laughs> I feel like that's one of my favorite. Like, someone needs to queer that song. I think that was on our list, and I don't think anyone picked that. Um, next time. Next time, yeah. We did um, Simple Little Things. Uh, key member Amara Brady wrote a song in response to Simple Little Things. And we they changed we changed a little bit of the lyrics when it was sung by um, – the, the original song was sung to make it into, like, this lesbian – domestic story like the sweet little like all i want is to just be like with my wife you know mm-hmm. just like at home so yeah it's sweet that's awesome sweet oh that's oh, awesome oh what was the song that we did about um top surgery mm. oh and if my friends could see me now was sung by um our non-binary key member sav suza and it was a, like a strip tease where they oh, took off and revealed their top surgery. It was amazing. Wow. And that was really fun. Yeah. I really want someone to queer happy to keep his dinner warm. I just hate that song. And <laughs> I oh want someone God. to I forgot it. that song. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good idea. We did also, we did Ado Annie by trans mask person saying, um, I can't say no. I can't say no. Ado Annie's song, I Can't Say No, was sung by a trans mask person. And we switched the lyric, the gender lyrics a little bit. And it was like so mm-hmm. fun because it was about, yeah, it was just like a different play on like gender dominance. Mm-hmm. That was really fun. That's really this. cool. Are you guys planning to do another one in the future? Yes, I hope to do more. Again, COVID is really getting in the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I had to do a lot of pivoting in the last couple of months to really shift our needs uh, the programmatically to what folks needed in this moment. And um, 
and, and, and we were going to do kind of a queering the stage pride concert thing. And then we shifted that to make sort of just it being a space of healing for our black identifying keys. Um, but I do hope to get back to more, more riff, more riffing on this theme. <laughs> we hope so too. <laughs> Can you tell us really quickly your meet cute story for you and your partner? We need it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Clea played my mother in Gypsy. Um, <laughs> I was Louise. So not just like your mother, but like Bomber Rose. Clea was my mom Rose. But like, okay, like we did not. I, so that's like always the first thing that I throw out. Like I once told a, like a friend that and uh, a new friend, I, I told her that and she threw her head back so far that she like hurt herself. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. Um, no, we, we, we just became friends during that show, but it's fun that like, that is like how we met. Like we were sharing a dressing room and it was like, we were like the two like lesbians in the cast. I don't know. It was just funny. We didn't start dating until like two years later, but it is pretty funny that, that, that is how we first became acquainted because <laughs> she played my mother. And I did have like reservations at first of like, I can't. So we were friends and then had a moment where we were like, Oh, this, there's some, there's some there's sexual tension going on here. Like we need to address this <laughs> friend. Um, and I did have a moment of like a reservation about, should I be dating someone who played my mother? Like, I was just like, that's so wrong. <laughs> and I was like, it's, it was a play. No, it's, it's so great. Dream. Wow. I also think I have a crush on like every mama rose. So like, <laughs> oh, I totally yes. understand that. That's, I know, right. I had such a talent is. crush at first. I was like, who are you? Like she just dazzled me. I was like, who are you? Where did you come from? So, wow. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Please. Okay, one last question. Outside of theater, do you have a queer culture indulgence you want to share? I mean, I guess I just go back to my roots and like it's it's like the indie folk music, right? So I like figured out my sexuality through Indigo Girls and like listening to Strange Fire. <laughs> Perfect. It's so cliche. Ugh, but um, if it works, it works. I guess so. Yeah. Um. So that, you know, like Melissa Farrick, Ani DeFranco, Ani's my favorite. And, mm -hmm. you know, all those like, we, I used to like go to a lot of like house concerts and, um, listen to things like, you know, Aaron McEwen or like Chris Williamson, her album, like all of that. I just love that music. Like that, that like, that like centers me. So I love that stuff. Amazing. I feel like I listened to a lot of Ani and then I didn't realize that Ani was like queer until after. I'm like, well, of course. There's like so many things that you look back and you're like, okay, that made sense now. That was the she was the first concert I went to with my girlfriend at the time, and I think that was like the first time I was around so many queer people at once, and it was incredible. Yeah, <laughs> I like wouldn't even watch a show. I would just like look around the crowd. I I kind of felt that way about Indigo Girls concerts because my best friend. And I were obsessed and were like groupies and we, we followed them to like all, we saw their shows in, in five different States. Um, and I remember just feeling like, Oh my, it was such like a secret society. Like, Oh my God, lesbians oh, to bring it full circle. <laughs> <laughs> what was the furthest you traveled to an Indigo girls concert? I think it was Milwaukee from I went to Ball State University. So like from Indiana up to Milwaukee, I think. Yeah, I think we saw them in like 
Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, New York. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's awesome. (laughs) How can our listeners follow you on on the internet? I am found on the interwebs at my full name on Instagram, andreaprestonario.com and ringofkeys.org. And our Instagram handle for Ring of Keys is ringofkeysorg. Awesome. Everyone go follow. (laughs) Thanks again, Andrea. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please rate, review us, share us with your friends, and come back for more interviews, queer content, recommendations, and eventually discussions on live theater, which I know we're all excited to get back to. And you can follow Thesis on Joan on Instagram and Twitter at Thesis on Joan. And you can email us at thesisonjoan at gmail.com. Like I didn't under, I didn't know any other lesbians besides, um, Ellen DeGeneres. And so it was like, what, you know, like, what is this? Like, what are these feelings? What is this feeling? So sad. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong musical. Wrong musical. Um, also queer though. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.